uh, start with a word of prayer. Lord, again, we thank you for uh, bringing each one here this morning. I pray that uh, we've all come with open hearts and that your word will uh, accomplish its, its purpose this morning in all of our hearts. And I just pray that for this uh, church here, that uh, you will help us to uh, be in the center of your will, doing your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody, can anybody think of the verse that's uh, Matthew 9, 37? Does that ring a bell with anybody? It didn't ring a bell with me, so don't be ashamed if you didn't. Why don't you look it up for a second? Those with a Bible. Uh, as soon as you see it, uh, 9, 37, 38, you'll know what I'm talking about. Matthew 9.37 Matthew's first book in the Old Testament. Anybody want to? Who wants to read it? Somebody read it for me, please. Right. So in case you didn't hear, it talks about the harvest and the workers. Uh, the, <clears throat> the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of people out there, but the workers are few. And it'll always be that way. Um, but it just means that the, the, the workers that we have need to be pretty busy. And we are in a lot of ways. I want to, this morning's sermon is uh, seeing the lost through the eyes of Jesus. And uh, maybe some of you can remember what it was like before you got saved. Um, certainly through my work I had a lot of, I got to talk in depth with a lot of people who were lost and how they viewed the world. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that God saved me because uh, it can be a really dark, scary place for a lot of people. But uh, one of the things I like about Jesse is he likes to start off with a little joke. So let's try this one. A burglar stalked the neighborhood watch, watching for homes left unguarded by people leaving for vacation. He watched as the family loaded their suitcases into their car and departed. He waited until dark, and then approached her front door, rang the bell, no answer. The burglar, burglar neatly picked the lock and let himself in. He called into the darkness, Is anybody home? He was stunned when he heard a voice in reply, I see you and Jesus sees you. Terrified, the burglar called out, Who's there? Again, the voice came back, I see you and Jesus sees you. The burglar switched on his flashlight, aimed it in the direction of the voice. He was instantly relieved 
when his light revealed a caged parrot reciting the refrain. I see you, and Jesus sees you. Beneath the parrot's <clears throat> the burglar laughed out loud and switched on the lights. Then he saw it. Beneath the parrot's cage was a huge Doberman pincher. Then the parrot said, Attack, Jesus, attack! <laughs> okay. I guess they had that figured out. My goal today is to help each of us to see the loss that are all around us as Jesus sees them. You know, so many times uh, we as Christians, we, don't, we feel inadequate. Um, we feel um, like we don't have the right words. We feel scared to approach people. Well, lots of things. And it's all valid. But... Uh, God's Word says that we need to be reached in the lost, and uh, we need to put as much effort into this as we can. Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God tells us that we are to be, we as Christians, are to be world changers. We need to be impacting the world for Christ. We must not allow our culture, a culture that seems to be less interested in God and absolutes, to temper our beliefs. We must not allow this culture to taint our lives, to keep us from standing on truth, to keep us from focus on winning souls for Christ. We are to love the lost. And I think that means something different for each one of us, because love means something different for each one of us. And what does that really mean for you to love the lost? We each love the lost in our own way, which is good because God uses us in different ways. Love. This is a word that in today's world has more meaning than probably any other word. Most of us would say we love our family. Some not. <laughs> uh, we, we would say we love our church. Um, I would say I kind of love the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you can love food. You can even love Diet Pepsi. Or maybe Pop-Tarts. Christ understands the word love. He knows what the word means. He knows the value of His word. He knows how to love. And we as Christians must do what we can also to understand His understanding of love. You see, until we understand love from God's perspective, we'll have an extremely difficult time reaching this world for Christ. Um, think back to the person or people who reached out to you when, before you got saved or that God used to bring you to salvation. And uh, be appreciative for those people. Uh, for me, I came forward one Sunday when I was 12, and uh, Dave Baldwin took me aside and led me to the Lord. And I've thanked him many times since then for his willingness to be there, for his willingness to, for his knowledge of how to handle me and lead me to the Lord. 
And uh, I want each of us to be empowered to, to be that for other people. A priority that God wants us to put us, to, wants us to put high on our list is our love for others. And I think even Dan would say uh, that uh, when new people come in, we show them a lot of love, and we're pretty good at that. We've worked hard at that, and we're pretty good at it. Uh, the problem is we got to get some people in the door. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the one saying that says, people don't care what you say, uh, what you know, unless they know that you care. Right? Uh, that's when they start listening to you, when you show them that you care about them. And uh, that's something that each of us can do in any way. I know Dick and Darla are really good at it, and, uh, and many of you are good at giving to others and sharing with others um, in your own way. We are one of many, many small churches in the world today. We are not unique. In fact, most churches in America have less than 50 people. Um, there are mega churches, and that's fine. But the majority of the churches in America are small. And I know that there's a great desire here to grow. As we look at the ways for this church to grow, let's keep in mind, first of all, to show the lost that we love them. How do we love? We love according to God's definition of love. The Bible teaches us that loving people with God's love should be first and foremost in our minds and hearts. Proverbs 3.1 My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. And I can see some gray hairs here today, and uh, I've certainly seen many older people in our church who God has given them length of days. Certainly, uh, I can think of many uh, who are in this church that God has lengthened their days through uh, their uh, worship of Him and keeping His commandments. <clears throat> when we love others with God's kind of love, God will protect us and preserve us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Boy, there's some powerful verses right there. I mean, almost every word of that, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So, you know, we don't have to be super uh, intelligent and know the Bible, have it all memorized and stuff. I have a couple of things that I keep in my Bible with me that helps me. Um, they're just tracks. But you know, tracks still come in handy. Tracks uh, have kind of gone by the wayside. But there's one here about four spiritual laws that if, the, if it's right, if the time is right, I can just go through this. I don't have to have it all memorized. And, and I like the Roman road myself pretty well. I think it's really good. And here's another track that just, it's just this little, but it really puts it out there. But they're just things that I use uh, if the opportunity arises. So you don't have to have stuff memorized all the time. It's good if you can. But just do whatever you can. If you need help, 
get help. Uh, whom do we love? Let's answer this by looking at what Christ said about it when he was asked the same question. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that's quite a statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the laws and the prophets. But in the background, what's so interesting about the lawyer's question is what leads up to his question. You see, throughout the years leading up to Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees had been grappling with a problem among themselves. Here was their problem. The Pharisees were considered the most pious and holy, and they were, you know, all up here, and everybody else is down here. They were considered holy as much as you could humanly be. And boy, you know, as soon as you get on a pedestal, that's when Satan really attacks, right? I mean, how many preachers, famous preachers, have we had in the last 15 years who have fallen uh, to Satan's attacks? Uh, famous preachers on TV. So, as soon as you consider yourself holy and, you, and you've got it, boy, you're in trouble. <clears throat> so, they knew that they couldn't humanly keep 613 Old Testament laws. That's, you just can't do that. So, the problem is they obviously couldn't keep them, so they decided to make amendment to it. And they added their own interpretation so that the laws to the laws so that they would be able to keep all the laws. So after realizing that that didn't work, they decided to settle that each person should focus on just keeping the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. Surely we can do that. Okay, we, don't, we can't keep 613, but maybe we can keep 10. Well... They quickly realized, no, they can't. So they collaborated and decided that one could be considered holy if he could say that he has kept one commandment 100% of the time. So there was a debate as to which one should be adopted as the one commandment everyone should keep. It must be the greatest commandment, one worthy and most notable of keeping. It was at this point that the Pharisees' debate in the Pharisees' debate that this lawyer's question and conversation with Jesus took place. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great command. You see, the reason why you obey 600 plus commandments is not just to obey them for holiness, not to make us more holy. Obeying commands is always out of our love for God. We want to keep His commands because of what He's done for us. And we want to strive, even in our imperfections, and we fail miserably all the time, in our imperfections, God knows our heart. And our heart, hopefully, is that we, want, we are daily trying to please Him to the best of our ability. 
and to keep his commands. So if you love the Lord your God, you'll obey him. If you don't love God, you won't love obeying his commands, commandments. Um, right? If you think about uh, 600 plus commandments that you're supposed to keep, that could be pretty overwhelming. But that's the wrong perspective. The, wrong pers- the right perspective is, look what God's done for me. I can do my best, certainly, to keep whatever commandments that He brings to my attention. <clears throat> then after He settled the debate amidst the Pharisees, Jesus added a second commandment that is the outgrowth of the first. Meaning, Jesus was saying, if you love your, your God, it is a given that your heart will love people. Matthew twenty two thirty nine, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who's your neighbor? Not just the people right next to you. Actually, everybody's your neighbor. And so, I think, I think our church does pretty well at, at putting love out there. Um, but certainly it's something we need to pay attention to. Because we need to let God's love flow through us just naturally to the people around us. <clears throat> If you want others to know that you truly love God, the sign will be that you love all people. So if you kind of are a critical person and find fault with people, well, that's not really God's love. People pay attention to that. If you're the person that says he doesn't say anything, he or she doesn't say anything about somebody unless it's good, now you're on the right track. You're getting pretty close. We must love all people, meaning even those that we're not comfortable around, those who seem pious among us and they think they're better than we are, uh, that they wouldn't even spend time with us. Look at what Jesus did. Luke 15, 1-2. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Him. It's an interesting connection, tax collectors and sinners. We can all understand that one, right? It's the same in this Jesus' day. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Luke 15, 6. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just people who need no repentance. You see, Jesus loved them all. He didn't care about their background. He didn't care what they looked like. He just loved them. And why wouldn't he? He knew that it was for them that he would die. So why should we love? In Revelation 2.4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. This love refers to love for people. You see, to the church of Ephesus, they were so concerned that people maintain the same theological standard, which is good that we all agree to a basic doctrinal statement, but they forgot to love the person and to allow flexibility. They were more, you've got to believe this or else. And that's not it. God, we want to invite lots of people into our church. You know, any healthy church always has people who attend who aren't members, people who attend who are members, and there's always a mix of those. You, you know, if we have everybody who's here who's a member, 
then we need to get some more people in who, who are attending who aren't members. Why should we love in God's definition of love? Because if we don't, Christ holds us against us. And my friends, we must never allow ourselves to be in a position of Christ having something against us. We want Christ to be for us. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So that's why I pray that we're in the center of God's will. Because then I know that we're unstoppable. Uh, His will will be accomplished. And if we're in the center of His will, then He's going to bless us in, in many ways. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Not the world's definition of love, but God's definition of love. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we need to be reminded of that all the time. Uh, just because we're saved doesn't mean we're better than anybody. In fact, I know a lot of people who do a lot more good things than I do that aren't Christians. Uh, it kind of humbles me a lot to when I run into those people because they really don't have God and yet they just naturally love people and are giving and generous. and Boy, uh, it sure keeps you humble and makes you realize what's going on here. God demonstrated His love by sending His Son to die for us. You see, God did something with His love. He sent His Son. And today, we must also do something with our love for others. For the lost, we must share Jesus. We can't love them to heaven. We can't love them to Jesus. We can't love them to salvation. We can only share with them the love of Christ that we know and let Christ do the rest. Our job, fortunately, is only a small part of this whole deal. It's up to God to reach into a person's lives and bring them to Himself. Something that we can't possibly do. But we, our part of it is to reach out to them, share our experiences, to let them know that God loves them, and uh, share a few verses of Scripture with them. We can't... Uh, <clears throat> so, Jesus, help my eyes to see all the good Thou sendest me. Jesus, help my ears to hear. Calls for help from far and near. Jesus, help my feet to go in the way that Thou wilt show. Jesus, help my hands to do all things loving, kind, and true. Jesus, may I helpful be, growing every day like Thee. How does Jesus see you, and how does Jesus see the lost? Um, something I think about a lot is trying to see my life, my experiences, my world, through Christ's eyes, the way He sees it and not the way I see it. And every time I do that, it enlightens me. (laughs) It certainly grabs my attention. 
Let's pray. Lord, again, I just pray that you would help each of us to be witnesses for you, to be looking for opportunities to reach the lost around us. Um, help us to support each other in that cause, and help us as we are, are structuring ways to grow. Help us, uh, I would pray, to reach out to children and uh, see them come to know You as their Savior and that You would give them the gift of life. We know that there are many that, that we run into who You are working on their hearts. Help us to do our part to say something to them when You see the opportunity. Uh, whatever it is. Um, I know that You promised to give us the words that we need when the time is right. Lord, help us to memorize a few verses that make this easier. And Lord, we just thank You for all the, all the things that You've done for us. Um, and... I pray that you will bless our desire for growth here in Interlaken. We thank you that Jesse is now coming and preaching regularly, and Margot is being involved. And I thank you so much for them, for their ministry here. I pray that you would support them as they're on vacation, strengthen them, encourage them. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have a closing hymn or not?